Well, good morning. It, uh, it is good to have you in this place today, whether you're with us on campus or online today, or joining us later this week on demand. It was late September, early October of 2020. Earlier that year, in January and February, and the first couple of weeks, weeks of March, I'd been traveling in many places. I'd been in South India, uh, I had been in uh, Florida, I had been in Georgia, I I'd had meetings around the country in different places. And then, as we all know, uh, on March the 16th in 2020, everything shut down and nobody flew anywhere for a little while and, and things got a little crazy and, and we all had to adjust to this thing that we suddenly learned about called COVID-19. And it impacted every part of our life. And so for me, it, it, it impacted a couple of things. Number one, my granddaughter was born in August of 2020. And my daughter-in-law is a nurse. And so when your daughter-in-law is a nurse and your grandchild is born, you want to see your grandchild. Now, it was bad enough that they, they wouldn't let me in the hospital. I mean, after all, I'm the grandpa. I should have an opportunity to be in the hospital when the grandbaby's born, right? But no, only mama and daddy. I don't understand this kind of injustice that grandparents had to go through, but we lived through it. Uh, I will confess that uh, I, I did, my, my granddaughter was born on the day after my wife's birthday and my daughter-in-law went into the hospital on my wife's birthday. So I made sure that the place I took my wife for her birthday dinner was right next to the hospital where the grandbaby was born. And so after her birthday dinner, we drove the car over and sat in the parking lot and tried to pick out which window in the hospital would have been the one where our first grandchild was born. But a few weeks after that, uh, there was a meeting that I needed to attend. It was an important meeting. I, I kind of had to be there. And it was in Georgia. And I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, I, I haven't been on an airplane. I haven't been out of my house. I haven't been out of the city of Anderson other than you know, to drive down to the hospital in Indy where the baby was being born. And, and I, I'm like, I, I just, I don't know about this. So I looked at it and thought, you know what? I don't want to fly. I, I'm not, I don't feel safe flying into the, in, into the Atlanta airport. I mean, after all, that's an international airport. <laughs> it's a busy place all the time. But in COVID-19, like, no way. I'm not doing that, right? And, and so I drove my car from here to Atlanta for the meeting. I, 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 was, so, I was so afraid that I, I, I wiped my own car down with, with, with wipes, okay? I, I, I took a mask with me. I, I was doing everything that I could to be safe. And here's why. Because if your daughter-in-law is a nurse and you have a grandchild, you have to follow the COVID protocol or she's not going to let you see that baby. And I wasn't giving up seeing my granddaughter. And so I get to Atlanta. I get to the hotel. Now, it's a, it, it's a, a really reputable chain hotel. And, and that I had, had had, because of all the travel I'd done earlier, I had some points to upgrade. And so I, I upgraded to a room. I, I mean, we got on the first floor. 
They did all the COVID protocol. I mean, the restaurant was shut down. You couldn't get any food that way. Um, you, I, the, the, when you went in to register, there was plexiglass everywhere to keep the germs from spreading, and everybody's wearing a mask. There's hand sanitizer. I mean, it, it, it basically, I mean, you could have had a bath in the hand sanitizer. There, there was just so much of it. And, and they had done everything properly to make it a safe place. I checked into the room. They even gave me a room on the first floor so I would not have to get on an elevator with those other people <laughs> who might contaminate me, right? And so I, I, I get into the, into the room. They gave me a first floor room. They actually put the room. The lady told me, said, sir, because you have the upgrade points, we're gonna put you in a room right next to the entryway. You can just come in the outside door, turn right, one door, boom, you're in your room. It's the safest room we've got. I'm like, all right, I'm good, I'm set, right? And then I, I walked in the room. And I, I promise you, I followed all the protocols. We had done all the different things. I walked in that room pulling my little travel bag. And when the door shut behind me, something inside of me just snapped. I, 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 I've never been that afraid in my entire life. I mean, I froze. I, I mean, folks, I've, I, I've stayed in hotel rooms in Africa and India and Europe and South America. I mean, I've, I, I've, I've literally traveled around the world and never, I mean, I get a little anxious, but, but not what this was. Suddenly, I mean, I was just absolutely stuck. And, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid to touch anything. I didn't touch the wall. I, I didn't, I mean, I, I'd already touched the door knob. And so I wiped the hand sanitizer on my hands. And then I'm standing there. And I mean, I, I can't go forward. I can't, I'm, I'm afraid to touch the bed. I'm afraid to touch the desk. I'm afraid to touch the light switch. I'm afraid to touch anything. I'm just absolutely frozen. And just for a moment, I, I didn't know what to do. And, and, and then I, I, I took my phone out. And I called my wife, Becky. And thank the Lord that I have a wife who's walked with me throughout my journey in my life. Because I promise you, I've never really had problems with anxiety. For those of you who have anxiety issues, I, I get it. I, now I get it. I understand that that was just a moment there. For some of you, that's, that's something that happens in lots of places. So the stuff I'm about to say to you, if you have those issues, I just want you to know, I want to encourage you to, 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 to you know, listen to your doctors, take your medication, do all of that. But here's what I also want you to know. I also want you to know that there's, there's something important you have to do. Because I, I picked up the phone and I still didn't touch anything. And I called Becky and I said, I said, Becky, honey, you got to pray for me right now. Because I need to be here and I know I'm where I need to be, but, but I... I, I am scared. I am so afraid. And she began to pray. And I began to feel the fear leave. And when we finished, she reminded me of something. She said, Carrie, do, do you remember what we learned a long time ago from a, from a pastor, a preacher that we learned? We learned that, that fear can be used as an anacronym. And it simply means this. False evidence appearing real. That, that when, you're, when you're in this setting, when you're in a place where your fear overwhelms you, 
then you, you, you really have to ask yourself, is what I'm feeling honestly real or is it false evidence appearing real? Because what my pastor friend had shared with us many years ago was that the Bible is very clear that the enemy of your soul is a liar. The enemy of your soul is one who takes away, doesn't give to. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they're the ones who add to your life. They're the ones who speak truth into your life. It was Jesus who said to Pilate, you know, hey, listen, truth, everybody who follows truth, that's who follows me. It was Jesus who said to the disciples when they asked him where he was going, when he said, hey, I'm going away from you. And they said, I know, listen, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But the enemy of your soul is the liar. Now, please, please stay with me on this because I want you to understand the emotion of fear itself is not bad. You were born, God made you with, a, with, with an emotion called fear. The way they put it where I grew up was this. If you're walking through the woods and a bear jumps out in the path, you're supposed to be afraid. When the bear jumps out of the woods, being afraid is the normal, natural, God-given reaction, okay? In the middle of the trauma, you're given that. But here's what happens. When you let that fear overwhelm your life to the point that you're paralyzed. I mean, COVID-19 was real. For those of you who think it's not real, it's real, all right? But what I want you to know is, there was no need for me to freeze up in that room. What happened was I let all of my negative thoughts, I let all of my anxiety roll up into me. So you've been created, God made you in a way, to, in a healthy situation where your, your anxiety, your fear in a normal level, God gave that to you to protect you. But the enemy of your soul takes that and he begins to play mind games with you. He begins to take the truth and begins to twist it and begins to make it like false evidence appearing to be real to you. So much so that it can shape and hinder and actually corrupt your life. But what Jesus came to let you and me know is that how we handle fear, how we react to the situation is something he wants us to learn from him. Because you see, when, when you don't let the fear control your life, you are opening up yourself to an opportunity to know more of who God is and what he wants to do in your life. The, the problem for most of us, I, if we're really honest, those of us who are in the Christian world, is that we've settled too much for just little slogans and sayings. We, we've settled too much for for things like, well, let, let's just, you know, let, let's throw a Bible verse at it. Like, if you're, you know, someone's afraid, well, let's, let's just talk about Joshua 1. You know, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. And, you know, we, we throw those things out, and, and we don't recognize, we don't understand that for some people, th th that, that anxiety is so deep that, that just giving them a verse, and I think maybe for the last couple of years, one of the mistakes we've made as Christian people, trying to be the people of God and the kingdom of God, interfacing with the world that doesn't know God, is that we've, we've settled too much for just the slogans. We've settled too much for just throwing the pat answers at people instead of really understanding what it is that Jesus came to invite us into. Because it, it, it's not enough for you to just, to just throw out the slogans. It's not enough for you. It won't help you with the anxiety. When I'm, when I'm standing there in that hotel room, frozen, can't go forward, can't go back, all the anxiety is over me. There was only one thing that could help me out of that, and that was a connection to God. That was a prayer to Jesus. And the remembering of, of who I really am in him. 
Years ago, when my wife and I were young, we were youth pastors here in the city of Anderson. In fact, um, it's kind of scary to realize that some of the people who were in my youth group, I'm talking to their children, their adult children this morning, all right? And because um, I, I started very young. I was uh, very young, right in college, and became a youth pastor. And, um, and so they used to have an event down at the state fairgrounds in the fall, uh, Campus Crusade sponsored it. Some of you may remember. It was called Scream in the Dark. And what basically was a Christian version of a haunted house. I'm not sure how Christian it was, but it was a haunted house, I know. And, uh, and, and the money went to, to you know, Campus Crusade, so it had to be good, right? And, and so you, people came from all over the state. And I remember taking a busload of kids from Anderson down there. And what I remember is that uh, on the way down, there was this young girl who was the eighth grade. Now, she didn't really fit in very well with the rest of the kids. She was always trying to find her place and to make sure she fit in. And so all the way down, uh, her name was Brenda, and all the way down, Brenda is saying to everybody, I'm not afraid. They're not going to scare me. There is nothing they can do in this place to make me afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. And we're like, okay, Brenda, we get this, right? And so we go into the place, and as you go through, somebody jumps down with a chainsaw because, you know, chainsaw massacre or whatever. And then you got a guy, in there, and every time she's like, you didn't scare me. You didn't scare me at all. And we're about halfway through, and Brenda's about four people behind me, so I can hear all of this stuff, right? And, and we're about halfway through this, this haunted house type experience when suddenly you enter into a, just a black room. It's a hallway. They've built it up. And, and now suddenly, I mean, there's no lights. It's just pitch black. And you're walking through. And you've got a combination of emotions. One, one, is, one is that you're kind of like, oh, wow, good, okay. Nothing's loud. Nothing's going to explode. But then there's another that's going, what is going to happen, all right? What's going to happen to me because I'm in this place right now? And what they had done was around the bottom of the walkway, they had, they had cut some little holes, we found out later, and, and they had little curtains over it, so no light came in. So it was still totally dark. And as you were walking through, they would randomly, just randomly pick someone that they would reach out and grab their leg. You know where this is going, don't you? We're walking through, and sure enough, they grab Brenda's leg. And I hear this blood-curdling scream. I don't know what's going on. I'm walking in the dark like everybody else. And in the middle of the dark, I hear this blood-curdling scream. And suddenly, I feel an eighth-grade body on my back. She literally crawled over four guys, got to my back, and is yelling, protect me, protect me, protect me. She wasn't afraid at all. Can I tell you something? I think there's some of us in the church in the last couple of years We've been a little bit too much like Brenda. I'm not afraid of this. If you've got faith in God, you're going to do No, no, listen. Listen, fear is natural when it's healthy. But when the enemy of your soul begins to take your healthy fear and accelerate it, accelerate it into a sense of, of worry and anxiety and cynicism and negativity, and brokenness, then, then suddenly it's not healthy. Jesus knew that. Jesus knows that now. Which is why Jesus 
Jesus, when he's talking to the people who are gathered, the thousands of people on the mountainside, when he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, his disciples are there with him. He's sharing this to all of these people who've come from many different places because of the miracles that he's been doing and the lives that have been transformed. And he gets, he gets into the middle of this teaching about what it means to be the people of God in the kingdom of God. And, and he says something very interesting. Listen, in Matthew chapter six, I'm gonna start reading at verse 25. Just listen. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? And which of you, by, by being anxious, can add a single hour to their span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? I mean, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, when we're living in a world where, where the fear is, is right, COVID is real. Where the fear is right, the war in Ukraine is horrible. Where the fear is right, that, that there is a, a resulting uh, overflow from the last couple of years, that mental health issues in, in this country and around the world, that those mental health issues are just rising over and over and over and over. And many of us, that the anxiety and the fear is being compounded, not by the reality, but by the enemy of our soul who, who's making false evidence appear real. The enemy of our soul who's, who's telling us, you know, what we what is negative, what is wrong, and we can't find our way through, we need to hear the words of Jesus. Don't be anxious. Don't, 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 don't worry. And that's not a, just a, hey, don't worry, be happy kind of thing. No, no, Jesus is smarter than that. Jesus grounds our trust in our relationship with him. But fear False evidence appearing real. The, what the enemy of your soul will do to you is that he will create more anxiety in you. Fear creates anxiety. Fear creates worry. Fear creates obsession. Now, again, as I said earlier, if you're in a place where, where mentally and emotionally and physically you actually have, because some of, some of us, some people in our world, if, if your doctor's prescribing medicine for you, please don't hear this sermon and say, I need to stop taking my medicine. Keep taking your medicine. 
If you're seeing a counselor for your issues, keep seeing your counselor. I'm, a, I'm making an assumption that they're a Christian-based counselor who's basing what they're teaching you in the Word of God. If they're not, we can find you one. There are plenty of good ones available. But what I'm saying to you is this. Your anxiety that goes over the top, that freezes you like I was frozen in that hotel room in Atlanta, Georgia. The kind that keeps you from living the life you were created to live. God, through his son Jesus Christ, is speaking to a group of people and saying, listen, I want you to hear, I want you to know that you are more valuable than the birds of the air. You are more valuable than the grass of the ground. You are, you are a person made in the image of God. And the enemy of your soul is the one who's trying to put you in a place where you are where you are so anxious and you're so worried and you're so fearful that you can't, you can't live the way you were created to live. But what Jesus told those people and what Jesus wants you to know is that you are of more value to God than anything else he created. Yes, he loves the birds of the air. He takes care of them. I mean, look at the passage. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to their span of life? Now, one of the things my wife does beautifully at our home is feed the birds. And one time I was talking about this passage with somebody and they said, well, you know, in the wintertime in Indiana, those birds don't, I mean, somebody's got to feed the birds that are still here during the, you know, so if we don't feed them, I said, yeah, and who gave you the smarts to feed the birds? It would be God. Who gave you the resources to put the bird seed in the bird feeder? And by the way, if you forget, watch the birds sometimes. Oh, no, they don't have storehouses. They don't, you know, they're not like the squirrels who take all the things and put them in and then come back and get them later. No, no, listen, the birds are cared for day by day by day. And they know where to go and find the, the berries that they need. They know where to go and find the things that have. God, not, not a sparrow falls out of the sky, Jesus tells us, that God doesn't notice. And what Jesus is telling those people and what he's telling you and me is this. Don't believe the lie of the enemy of your soul. Don't believe the lie that says, hey, you, you're going to be overwhelmed. You're not going to be able to make it. It's not good. No, listen, God is with you. You matter to God. He cares for you. He cares about you. And what he's saying to you is, listen, I love you so much that I don't want you to be anxious about your life. And here's why. Because your anxiety prevents you from experiencing God's care for you. When you get so anxious that, that you can't see where God is at work, when you get so worried that you can't understand what God wants to do, when you're so afraid that the world is all, to quote the vernacular, going to hell in a handbasket, and there's nothing you can do about it. And it overwhelms you. And the fear just gets to you. When you're stuck in that spot, please hear me, my friend. Whether you're on campus, online, on demand later, please understand, you're not by yourself. 
What Jesus is telling these people, people who were poor, people who didn't have enough to eat, people who weren't socially in a, a status level where they were accepted by the religious establishment of the world, they, they were the people who had been gathered, remember? Because Jesus had been healing them of their brokenness, because Jesus had been delivering them from, their, from, from the evil in their life, that Jesus had been making a difference in their life. They were gathered here because of all that Jesus had done that no one else had been able to do for them. And yet, in the middle of that, Jesus looks at them and says, look, don't don't be worried about this. I know the enemy of your soul is trying to tell you that you're not gonna make it. But what I want you to know is this. Look around you. I, I want you to see that God cares for everything and you, you, my friend, are more valuable than all of the rest of creation. Please hear that this morning. Please understand that if you give in to the lie from the father of lies. If you give in to the lie from the, the culture that says God, God doesn't care about you, you're just another number. If you give in to the philosophy that says life is just over at the grave. If you don't understand that there is life for eternity and you were born to live forever and Jesus came to make that possible in your life. If you don't hear those things, your anxiety will overwhelm you. Your worry will wreck your life and it'll keep you from experiencing the fact that God himself cares for you. I mean, look at the way Jesus expands it. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these lilies. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. See, that's the greatest line you need to remember when the lie comes out. Your heavenly father, your Abba Papa, your creator, your sustainer, the one who knows you better than you know yourself, that individual, that person who literally created you knows exactly what you need, knows exactly when you need it, and knows why you need it. Sometimes you get a little impatient. Sometimes we get a little impatient. And we want to say to God, hey God, I want this. And if I don't get this, and we don't get what we think we need, then we end up with this anxiety, this fear, this overwhelming nature. And, and, and what, what Jesus is saying is, look, look around you. You are of more value. And here's why he says that to them. Because his care for you will enable you to trust God with everything else in your life. Once you get it settled that you were made in the image of God, that Jesus came to reconcile you to God, and that in that reconciliation, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's been done to you, no matter how much you failed, no matter how disappointing your life, no matter how desperate you may be, no matter how afraid you are about the future, you gotta know, you've been invited to experience God. 
by experiencing Jesus. Not experiencing religious stuff, experiencing Jesus. That's why Jesus says it like this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I, for years, I'd read that passage and think, oh, right, I, I've got to seek first the kingdom of God. Okay, here's the list. Let's go back to the Beatitudes. Let's make them a list. I've got to be like this and like this and like this. Remember what we established a few weeks ago? That was not a descriptive entry test. It was a description of who was already in the kingdom and didn't know they were in the kingdom. And this isn't about us trying to check off the list. You will not get rid of your worry by trying to be the perfect person. If anything, you will add to your worry and your anxiety by trying to be perfect. Perfectionism creates anxiety. Why? Because you're not perfect. Sorry, didn't want to bust your bubble. Your spouse knows. Your siblings know. You know, there's none of us that's perfect. So let's just drop the facade and let's understand that the God of the universe values you more than he values the birds of the air. And he values the birds of the air enough to care for them. That the God of the universe values you and will provide for you the same way he provides for the lilies of the field. And the lilies of the field are gorgeous and beautiful, and so are you. You see, you are cared for by the God of the universe. There's a story in the life of Jesus that's recorded for us in the Gospel of John. John was one of the disciples who was sitting there at the feet of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. And years later, he, he sat down to write the stories of who Jesus was and what Jesus did. And in the fourth chapter of his gospel, and by the way, John didn't put the chapters on and the verses on, other people did later. But as he's sharing the story of who Jesus was, he tells a really interesting story. And for some of you, you've heard the first part of the story. In fact, you've heard the first part of the story so often that you missed the last part. The first part of the story is that Jesus and his disciples were traveling and they decided, I love the way John puts it, it says that he had to go through Samaria. He didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, no good Jewish man would go through Samaria. They would always go around Samaria. But Jesus chose to go through Samaria. And when he got to a place in Samaria outside of a town, there was a well, it's called Jacob's Well. And, and archaeologists tell us that even today it's still there. The same well that's still there was 100, so now it's 100 feet deep, even now. Could have been even deeper at that point. And it was the, it was the middle of the day, and, and he's tired, and the disciples are tired, and, and, and so he sits down by the well, and the disciples are like, okay, we need to get some food. We've got water here. They go into the village. And when they go into the village to get the, to get the food, they, they, start, they start coming back out. But while they're in the village, this woman walks out. You know this story? Uh, people refer to her as the woman at the well. And we get so focused on the dialogue between Jesus and this woman because it's a powerful dialogue. It's a dialogue where, where Jesus lets her know that, that he knows everything about her. And she suddenly discovers that he knows everything about her. 
It, it's a story where Jesus says, hey, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for water, and the water I'd give you is water that will help you never thirst again. It's living water. It's eternal water. It springs from within. It's a, it's a, a metaphor, an analogy of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and what, what Jesus and this woman have in this dialogue is a very, very intense experience where she suddenly realizes that, that everything she thought she'd hidden is now suddenly revealed. And, and so she goes back into, the, she leaves Jesus at the well and she goes back into the town, to the village where everybody there knew all five husbands she'd had <laughs> and the man she was living with. And everybody there knew her by reputation. They knew her background. They knew what was going on. And, and when they did, they, they, they heard her say, come see a man who told me everything that's ever happened in my life. I think he may be the Messiah. Come see this guy. And the scriptures tell us, John records for us in John chapter four, all of these people from the village, dozens and dozens and dozens of people come out. And if you keep reading, in John chapter four, you read past where the disciples show up and go, Jesus, why are you talking to that woman? And you read past where all these people from the village come out and, and Jesus, Jesus tells them about their life. In fact, they, they invite Jesus in. And, and if you get down to verse 41 and 42 of John chapter four, you find this amazing step. To me, to me, it's really more important than all the dialogue between Jesus and the woman at the well. Because it's a dialogue between the woman at the well and the people who knew her best in her city. And they say something to her that, that quite honestly, I believe is what the world is dying to hear from the church right now. See, I don't, I don't think that the world is waiting for us to say, be strong and courageous. I don't think so. I don't think the world is waiting for us to say, hey, you know what? You just need to buckle up and try harder. You just need to work at it more. I don't, I don't I don't think that's what the world needs to hear. I think the world needs to hear exactly what those people are. Because in, in verse 41 and 42, here's, here's what they say. Jesus was with them for two days, 48 hours, 48 hours. And, and when he leaves and carries on with his ministry, these people from the village, they, they turn to the woman at the well and they say, you know what? We, we believe that he's the Messiah. We believe he's the savior of the world, but we don't believe that because of what you said. We believe that because we just spent two days with him. We believe that because we've, we've heard him. We've seen it. See, what I think the world needs right now is an encounter with Jesus. And what I really believe with all my heart is that there are a whole lot of us in the church, out of the church, followers of Jesus, not followers of Jesus, who are so overwhelmed by, by the fear and so overwhelmed by the false evidence that appears real and, and so overwhelmed by the real stuff that's actually happening that we, we forget a song we used to sing when we were kids. He's got the whole world in his hands. The whole world. COVID didn't surprise God. Your pain doesn't surprise God. The pain in the Ukraine doesn't surprise God. Now, I know some of you are like, well, then why did he let it happen if he, no, no, listen to me. You just haven't met him yet. You just hadn't spent 48 hours with him yet. Because if you spend the time with Jesus, you discover that he loves you, that his mercy has no end. His grace covers everything.
And that yes, it's okay to be afraid when the bear jumps out of the woods and the bear's real. But it's not okay to live your life jumping at the shadows because Jesus is with you and he loves you and he will never leave you and never forsake you. So this morning, as we close this service, a couple of things I wanna say to you, I wanna invite you to do. See, throughout, throughout the last two years, our leadership team here at Eastside has tried to be very careful. We've tried to create a safe place, spiritually, emotionally, but also physically. And along the way, that meant that some of the things that, that we have done over the years, we've, we didn't do for a while, simply because it didn't feel safe to us. But as we've been watching the numbers, as we've been watching the transmission rates, as we've been watching the things that have been going on, it just kind of feels like there's an end to this. Now, I know some of you have greater scientific insight than me, but I just know what I'm watching. So what I want to invite you to do this morning is to, is to participate in one of the symbols that we've, that we've not done for two years. It's a simple symbol that is a reminder to us that Jesus is with us and that we don't need to be afraid that he will never leave us and never forsake us. Yes, each day has enough trouble of its own. But seeking first the kingdom of God isn't about checking off the list of the right things we've done. It's about having an encounter with his son, Jesus Christ. So that like the people in the village, we can say, we don't believe anymore because of what somebody said. We believe because we know Jesus. Jesus.